This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to while on the way to work. David Bassett. Welcome to Extra Innings, presented by Corona, episode 14. Thanks to our friends at Corona Extra. They are celebrating the return of Major League Baseball with these exclusive interviews and insider information around the boys in blue. Find the fine life. Please drink responsibly. And we have a couple of good interviews for you this week. Always Andre Ethier joining us, and he is fresh off his return to Dodger Stadium. He was there for the first of those four games against the Cubs. We all know the Dodgers got combined no hit in that game, but Ethier was in those home run seats in the left field pavilion. In case you missed it, I was filling in for Kirsten Watson that night, and I went out in the fourth inning and interviewed Ethier out there in the left field pavilion, and it was awesome. Awesome energy, awesome to see the fans, awesome to see Ethier being celebrated. I mean, the guy was signing autographs, taking selfies, FaceTiming with family members uh, the entire time he was out there, so it was really cool to see All the great smiles out there in the left field pavilion. Those are our people, the true blue Dodger fans. I'm not saying if you sit anywhere else at Dodger Stadium, you're not true blue, but I got to experience the left field pavilion. And I love seeing all the fans when I walk around the stadium and get to see everybody. It's always nice to say hello to me, and I do appreciate it. And not only just getting messages and snarky remarks on Twitter. So I always appreciate you can always come up to me. Always love to see all the Dodger fans and you can follow me on social media. I'm a little hesitant to say that at the real underscore DV on Twitter and at officially Vassay on Instagram. Not only do we have Andre Ethier on this week's episode, but also Alex Wood had a chance to catch up with him before the first game of the series at Dodger Stadium. And if you've listened to me on Dodger Talk, you know how high of regard I have for Alex Wood. He is a tremendous competitor, always has been, and really a pleasure to watch him pitch in a Dodger uniform two separate times. And I'm really happy for him that after a year with the Reds, he came back to the Dodgers and was able to be part of of that World Series championship team. And I know he was dealing with injuries all of last year, and then he finally started to get healthy to a point where he could contribute out of the bullpen last year. And I got to be honest with you, I don't think the Dodgers thought he was going to be much of anything more than a mop-up guy. And then he came into one of those blowout games in the NLCS against the Braves and held the score where it was, and he was really effective. And I really believe from there, it opened Dave Roberts' eyes that this guy could definitely eat up innings during the postseason moving forward, especially since they were going with the openers, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, 
You know, I don't believe it would have been a horrible idea to have Alex Wood be the opener instead of one of those two young guys because it was a big stage for them and they were bouncing back and forth from being a starter to a reliever. But nonetheless, Alex Wood had a huge hand in the Dodgers coming back to beat the Braves after being down three games to one. So I know uh, you heard a portion of the interview, a very small slice of the interview because of time constraints on the pregame show, but we're going to get deep into it with Alex Wood coming up in just a little bit. Also, speaking of seeing the fans at Dodger Stadium, I feel validated and I feel like my credibility has gone up a notch or two with you. Not over my baseball acumen, of course not, but over my Dodger dog scouting report. I love getting the calls from fans. One of my buddies who used to be the producer and cameraman for Backstage Dodgers, Dave Strumpf, came to a game on the most recent homestand and posted on his Instagram that he loved the Dodger dog. So take my word for it. You know, guys that don't show up to Dodger Stadium want to give their scatting reports on the hot dog. Sorry, I would not have endorsed the Papa Cantella version of the Dodger dog. Less salty, not like a rock in your stomach after you eat it, if I did not believe it. If I thought it was trash, I wouldn't have said anything. I'm not going to lie to you. I would not have disparaged the Dodger dog because uh, I know I got one foot in working for the Dodgers and they've been good to me. But if I did not like it, I wouldn't have come out and said how much I did like it. So there you have it. Batting leadoff, host of the Extra Innings podcast, David Vasse. I'm not sure if you caught it on Dodger Talk. Um, the second day, there was full capacity, June 16th. We had a caller call in and ask me what the atmosphere was like at Dodger Stadium and then proceeded to tell me he was not vaccinated. Not because of any of the conspiracy theories, but for another reason. So I just want you to hear the call, and then I'll get to my point on why I'm sharing this with you. The other thing I was going to ask you, I did not get my vaccine. Um, oh, no. So what's the procedure? What's the procedure if I go to, uh, go to the game? What do they require? For you to wear your mask. And I would strongly encourage you to get your vaccine. It's uh, science has proven out to be true, Bill. I had my vaccine. Look, I'm feeling good. There's no issues with me. I'm right here talking to you, Bill. I'm feeling good. I could go out to the bars, feel good about it. Right, right. But uh, I'm uh, (laughs) if I (laughs) no, I know you're not. That didn't (laughs) sell you, Bill. Me, me standing here feeling good. That did not sell you, did it? Uh, No, (laughs) no. I man, one thing I. I hit needles. Come on, Bill. It does, it's like a little poke. If I pinched you, that's what it would be like. It, it's nothing like getting hit by a pitch, 98-mile-an-hour fastball, I'll tell you that. Okay, okay. I will, I will. Hey, the other thing is, uh, hey, and my dying, That's not again. a good thing either, Bill. Dying is not good. It doesn't I, I, feel good. I know. It's not. Hey, my apology again about uh, um, Kenley. Um, yeah, are you apologizing to me Kenley. about jumping off the yeah, Kenley bandwagon Kenley. now? Kenley Jensen, man, I'm so happy he's doing great. And uh, hey, Bill, we need him. Bill, let's yeah. make a bet. If Kenley Jansen makes the all-star team, you get a vaccine, and then you call me back, okay? Let's make there a bet. Oh, yes, yes. Kenley Jansen makes the I... all-star team, you get a vaccine. I will. 
I promise you, and I will call you after I get it. There you have it. Bill in Laguna Beach on June 16th promised me if Kenley Jansen made the all-star team this year, he would get the vaccine. And here we are as we're recording episode 14 of the Extra Innings podcast. Kenley Jansen has blown just two saves. Hitters are hitting barely a buck against him. He uh, he has one of the highest save percentages in all of Major League Baseball. And for good measure, I asked Dave Roberts whether or not going to Colorado would make him hesitant to name Kenley Jansen one of the all-star closers. And he said no, he's over it, and he fully expects Kenley Jansen to be part of the National League all-star team. So... Bill in Laguna Beach. If you know this guy, Bill in Laguna Beach, help me help you, Bill. Kenley is going to make the all-star team, and you will get your vaccine. So don't let this guy off the hook, like Dennis Green would say. So there you have it. And by the way, I haven't forgotten how many people were calling Dodger Talk after the first couple of weeks of the season and basically saying, put Kenley Jansen out to pasture. You don't count great pitchers out. Just like La Jolla Petros counting out Clayton Kershaw after the first week of the season. You just don't do it. You don't count him out after one bad start in Chicago. You saw what he did on Sunday Night Baseball. You don't count out guys that have professional pride and have a track record. Yeah, if their talent diminishes because of father time, that's fair. But Kenley Jansen, I wasn't ready to write him off. I understand that there was some concern, no doubt about it, but he worked really hard during the offseason to get this back, and he certainly has. So he is on his way to his fourth All-Star appearance, and Bill in Laguna Beach is on his way to getting a vaccine. We had a chance to catch up with Alex Wood, and like I said, one of the guys that I respect so much, and I'm not going to lie, there are certain guys that you gravitate towards more than others as a reporter. You just have that common ground, and um, it's kind of like life. You're not going to be best friends with everybody, but there are certain people that you come across in life that you're closer to. And Alex Wood knows how much I respect him and how much I believe in his competitiveness and how well he pitched in 2017. And I had a chance to catch up with him, albeit in a Giants uniform, which was really tough to do, in the Giants dugout. That's where we did this interview. I'm not afraid to say breaking up is hard to do. He's in this orange and black now after winning the World Series with the Dodgers last year. Luckily, he's not pitching in any of these two games, and that is World Series champion Alex Wood. Alex, always great to see you, and it's still... It's still an adjustment to see you in this uh, uniform. <laughs> Dave, it's good to see you too. Uh, it's always better to talk to you in person than it is on the phone to see your beautiful, beautiful face. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we've just gone into the text-only zone, but it's good to see that you've given me clearance in person. <laughs> yeah, it's good to, see, good to see you, man. Looking forward to the series this week. Yeah, last homestand, you got your championship ring. Did it bring back... All the memories for you. I know you're invested in the Giants and the great season you guys are having, but for that moment in time where you were able to get that ring, what was the feelings like? Yeah, a long time coming, man. You know, 
three three times to finally get over, get over the hump. Uh, and so for us to finish that out last year was just, I mean, it's hard to, hard to put into words, you know, just a special group of guys, a lot of years, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, uh, you know, went into finally, you know, being able to put a ring on our finger. Uh, wish we would have capped it off with a parade, but it wasn't, wasn't meant to be, but super thankful. Uh, you know, I, I love the Dodgers franchise, you know, and, and, and the guys in that clubhouse still. And so it was it was a blast to finally get to put that ring on my finger. Uh, I've told people so many times how competitive you are. And last year during the playoff run, I don't think many people thought you were going to contribute as much as you did. I'm not even sure the team thought you would contribute. I know your teammates did, but for you to step up the way you did when you got the opportunity, how gratifying was that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been fortunate to be on a lot of playoff teams, uh, you know, in Atlanta and L.A. And, you know, even if when you're not playing, you know, it's not the same as when you're, when you're contributing, uh, especially on a team that's, that goes all the way. And so to be able to, you know, step up and, and, and play the way I did in the postseason, you know, I was really, really thankful for that, you know, because there's just nothing better than being able to contribute in the postseason uh, uh, in, into a team like we had last year and, and, and all the other years as well. And so, you know, I, I always – I felt like my stuff was good, you know, dur- during the season last year. It's just I never really considered myself a rel- reliever. And then when I came back from my sh- from my shoulder thing last year, you know, I felt like my stuff was good the whole time, you know, just, uh, you know, just didn't have the numbers t- to show for. And so I just kept plugging, plugging away and keeping my head down and, uh, you know, trying to iron some things out. And it f- felt really good, carried over the, into the postseason. And then when I got my chance, just, t- just took advantage, man, because, you know, th- when, when it comes time for – uh, for those postseason games, you know, it's ex- experience helps, and so to be able to, you know, go to that next level and, and go out there and compete and give the guys a chance to win as much as much as I could, you know, it, it was it was really great, really really great. You were part of the 2017 Dodgers that lost in seven games. Would you have felt like your career was incomplete if you did not get that ring with the Dodgers? Oh man, um, it feels more complete with it for yeah. sure, for sure, but. You know, it's such a hard thing to do uh, to win a World Series. I mean, as 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 we know, uh, you know, you got to be playing well at the right time. You got to have your superstars have have the years they're supposed to have, and you got to sprinkle in a few other guys. You know, that maybe outperformed what what, what their careers had been at that at that point. Uh, just so many things have to go to go right. So to just so to say, did it complete? You know, my time in L.A. You know, yes and no, yes and no for sure. I mean, obviously it's. The icing on the on the cake to to have that ring and, and be a world champion, but I mean we accomplished so much, uh, you know, my, in my five years in, in LA, you know, a lot more than uh, you know a lot of other guys, uh, you know, ever accomplished in, in their careers, and so I'm always grateful for that and for my time there and. Uh, you know, thankful that uh, I get to call myself a champion with the rest of those guys. Yeah, you deserve it. Alex Wood is our guest. And I always hear about this text chain during the Texas time. Uh, You were on the Braves, obviously. You're on a good team with the Giants. But have you been part of a group of players during your time with the Dodgers where you guys held each other accountable and basically made all of this happen because of your bond with each other and how honest and free you could be? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's... Uh, it, it's an interesting topic because, you know, being with the same guys for 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 so long, you know, it, it, there are definitely advantages to it. And even you know, the, the Brave series is a perfect example. You know, you you get down, you're almost you're almost basically done, done and knocked out of the postseason. Uh, and just uh, you know, it's a lot of guys fake it till you make it. But to hear the comments from a lot of guys on our thread, and, you know, throughout that series, really throughout the postseason. 
believing in ourselves and in each other that we weren't done, that we, we could do this, we can come back. Just one, one pitch, you know, one inning, one game, one game at a time. Uh, it was was really really cool, and so to be able to do what we did and, and, and come back from that, and because I, I said it a lot last year, we never we never really got tested. You know, we just we just out talented everybody the entire season. We we never really truly got tested and had our backs against the wall even through the postseason until that Brave series. And so I don't think uh, you know as a as a whole we really knew what we were made of. You know, the links that we could go and how good we could be, and so. Uh, luckily, we answered the bell, uh, you know, when, when we had to, because I mean, it, it was it was do or die, and that that, that was uh, as special of a series and, and a postseason as, as we, we'd had in, in my time here for sure. Alex, you've had a great season in 2021 as well. The Giants have 50 wins because you're a part of the team and have been as big a part. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, Bueller. Don't be jealous. I'm talking to my guy, Alex Wood, here. It's funny because he's creeped over by our dugout. He's waiting to talk to me 100%. (laughs) Yeah, he is. (laughs) As far as what the Giants have done this year, everybody is waiting for you guys to fade. Uh, Do you thrive off of that? Do you guys hear that? And does that motivate this group? Yeah, you know, I I think we're starting to get a little more attention lately. But, uh, you know, we got a group just... We have fun. A lot of good guys in our clubhouse. No bad eggs, and we just we just show up and play every day, man. It's it's been a lot of fun so far. I think it's uh, it's pretty obvious we're not going anywhere anytime anytime soon. But you know, no, nobody nobody minds flying flying under the radar. You know, we just show up, play good ball, and you know, try and try and win a game each night, and just kind of go from there. Tonight's game: Bauer versus DeSclafani, Dodgers Giants. With you guys in first place, Dodgers in second place. I'm not sure you experienced this from the other side. How excited and. Is this as meaningful to the players as it is to the fans? Yeah, I mean, obviously, just an incredible rivalry. You know, uh, this will. You know, we've always already played each other this year, but doing it in front of a packed house tonight in Dodger Stadium is going to be going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, I think we're up to the task. It'll be a great series, and uh, we got a few more to go throughout the year. <laughs> so, you know, it's probably not as uh, you know important and meaningful on a micro level, you know, as it is to the fans each game we play, we play each other, but it, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be a great test for us tonight against, it's a pretty much uh, healthy Dodgers team for the most part. And so uh, we'll see what happens, man. What, why have the Giants been as good as they've been this year? Uh, I mean, we've pitched really, really well. I mean, I guess, I guess it starts there led by Kevin Gossman. He's been basically unhittable you know if if it wasn't for DeGrom you know it, I think everybody would just be be talking about Goss because he's just been that that dominant uh, this, this year and so we pitched really well and then then our lineup man it's just uh, it reminds me a lot of Dodgers lineups you know that we've had uh, we've had over the years that I was in LA just we don't chase out of the zone at all I think we're the best best team in baseball at uh, out of zone chase rate uh, you know we grind ABs we've only had three starters go seven innings against us the entire season we just make it really, really tough on guys. You know, they really have to be on their A game when we face them. So uh, hopefully we'll have that trend continue and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it against the Dodgers tonight. All right, <laughs> Alex. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's always great to see you. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the time and congratulations on being healthy this year and more importantly, being a World Series champion last year. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's good to see you. That was the full interview with Alex Wood in the Giants' dugout. That doesn't happen uh, too often. I feel like Alex, Buster Posey, and Matt Herges, and Will Clark, who's a former Giant, are the only Giants I have ever interviewed. I interviewed Brandon Crawford in 2012 as well, so those are the very few select Giants that I have ever interviewed for the pregame show, but I feel like Alex Wood will forever be remembered 
a Los Angeles Dodger, a World Series champion with the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2020. So happy for him. And my mom even loves Alex Wood. Ran into him and Kyle Farmer in Glendale one day with my, and me and my mom were walking around after lunch. And there they are popping out of nowhere back in 2016 or 2017. And they were really nice to my mom, Bianca. And uh, yeah, Alex Wood, good people. Easy to root for, even if he's in a Giants uniform. My favorite. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to see you're not wearing khakis. Your favorite. And not everyone holds themselves to a high physical standard around here, but... Uh, Probably not Vasse's favorite. I know no one listens to your show, so... <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Just kidding. DB is joined by Andre Ethier. And we are fresh off of Andre Ethier being at Dodger Stadium the night the Cubs... Combined to no-hit the Dodgers, but more importantly, Dre, you put a lot of smiles on the people's faces in the left-field pavilion sitting in those home run seats. What's up, Dave? Yeah, what a great night that was, right? Um, you know, we uh, went out there, uh, had a great event before, kind of a, a Dodger-hosted thing uh, down there in the new uh, Gold Glove bar um, with some uh, you know Dodger uh clients and friends and uh then we got a chance to go out there and see i guess for the first time really that new expansion out there uh beyond uh, the pavilions and you know what a great job they did and then of course uh ended up getting to sit in those unbelievable uh home run seats uh live like you're in the action as close to being playing and then uh mix it up with the fans which ended up being a great night Hey, Dre. Besides the outcome of the game, besides the outcome of the game, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, going out there, interviewing you, putting on the show for the people, the no hitter was an afterthought, and I feel like it was for everybody else out there. So I feel like you were a great distraction from what was happening in the game. Maybe that's why we got no hit, right? Um, distraction in the game. But yeah, it was kind of chaotic there for a little bit. But um, what a great way to, I guess, kick off the unofficial reopening of Dodger stadium, you know, uh, full capacity. That was the night or two before, but, you know, kind of full capacity, getting a chance to have fans back in there with uh, what I know fans like, but of course what, you know, being a player, it's, it, that's what the great part about being a Dodger player is and playing in Dodger stadium is the fans, the fans, they bring, you know, that 56,000 fans on a nightly basis, um, I know the team brags about it, but, you know, I think, oh, close to, you know, out of COVID, out of time, you know, close to 4 million fans uh, passing through those gates a year to see a Dodger game. Uh, you know, there's not many places in sports, you know, let alone baseball, where you get a chance to perform and play in front of a, a home field like that. And it's, and it's definitely a home field advantage. I mean, we see all the, you know, the Dodger blue, the stands, and it's, not like we're going to one of these other stadiums where it's kind of a mix if there's a team coming in. So, um, yeah, it's just great being out there, seeing it open again. And um, I think, uh, you know, those seats where we sat in the, and uh, are a great addition to the stadium or something that, you know, people are going to have to take advantage of whenever they pop up and can get in. Hey, Dre, I know you weren't oblivious to how popular you were when you played, but to be out there and to have nonstop fans asking you for autographs, for videos, for selfies, uh, what did that? How did that hit you? Because I know you were aware that you were a popular player, but 
to be out there in street clothes and for the fans to just want a piece of you nonstop. Uh, were you a little surprised by that at this point in time of your life? Uh, yeah, you're always, you're always taken back by that. Um, you know, you just try to, especially when you're a player, you're just trying to survive every day. I, I know we've talked about that many times here so far. Is You know, it's just that survival. How do you, you know, get there, get to the field, uh, stay focused, stay energetic, get out there, play the game. And then, uh, you know, some more times than not, a, a difficult game, figure out how to recoup and, you know, get back out there and do it again. And all those other little things that pop up in between. So sometimes you have the blinders on. And um, But one thing, you know, I learned and, and I guess instilled in me, um, you know, from my parents to coaches to, you know, the Dodgers as an organization do a great job is give it back to the fans. You know, that this game, uh, that stadium, uh, that fan base, you know, this organization we have, would it be uh, what it is, wouldn't it be uh, even possible without the fans and the fan support? And you can definitely see the, you know, the way the Dodgers do it and the way uh, the fans come and support is able to, you know, give the Dodgers and the players, uh, you know, the best possible, uh, you know, playing the, you know, accommodations, the, the, you know, everything we're gotten and given to is by these fans. And um, it's nice to be able to give back. And, um, you know, when you're available and you're in that position, um, it's really tough to turn down because there's so many people who just, you don't know, want that moment. And I heard that so many times. I'm like, Hey, you're, you were one of my favorite players growing up, you know, even though they're a 25 year old uh, kid or, or a young lady now, um, you know, they're, they're, you were my favorite player growing up. And um, it's nice just to be able to go there and, you know, and, and acknowledge that and hear that, and, you know, from both sides, uh, you know, for me personally, I know for them too. All right, let's talk some baseball. Speaking of surviving every day, when Andre Ethier was playing, there were tougher days to survive, and then there were, I won't say easy days to survive, but days to look forward to. So can you give us a little perspective on days that you would see guys like Dan Heron and Matt Cain that you just completely owned? What was the feeling when you woke up that day and you knew Dan Heron, who you hit four fifty three off of, or Matt Cain, who you hit 429 off of, when those two guys were pitching, was Andre Ethier in a better mood than other days? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. You came uh, to that field uh, licking your chops, ready to go. You knew you were going to get a hit uh, no matter what. You were going to walk away from that ball game with a hit. If you got three at-bats against that guy, uh, Dan Heron or, or Matt Cain, you were getting hit for sure. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a great day, um, and it, it feels great. I don't know how those matchups, those things just line up that way, but there's guys that um, it doesn't matter. I, think, I can remember a hit off of Matt Cain. It was a game where um, I think I was – I had been scuffing a little bit coming into that, that series, coming into that game. I wasn't making that great a contact, and I think Cain threw me really well-executed cutter – in on my hands and it went up i hit it hit it went up and over his head barely like a little like 20 foot and a high pop fly and landed right behind him between the second base and the pitcher's mat in the grass and stopped right there and of course i beat it out no one could feel that and like that just goes to show you when things line up against pitchers um you know even even the dinks even the bloops seem to have a way to fall in and get a hit off of it and that was the case and you know, on the reverse side, there's guys that 
Uh, for sure. I struggled against, and I probably I, I know you probably have a good list of those pitchers I struggled against, too. I do. I do. And I'm looking at the <laughs> righties especially. I'm not even going to mention the lefties, but a couple of righties that you struggled against were Jake Peavy and Jason Marquis. Do those ring a bell? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I can't explain Marquis because I don't feel like Marquis had anything great. I think he was just a great competitor and had a way to, you know, he executed his pitches well and, and and locked in really well, and I think he was a guy who never gave in. So I probably just was seeing him as uh, uh, we had a term, um, you know, uh, A.J. Ellis and a couple other pitchers had, uh, or catchers had uh, classic terms, AWR, uh, average white righty. That was what the, <laughs> the term was for, for guys like that. And, uh um, you know, he looks and, and might have been that way, but uh, Marquis, Jason had a, just a, a way to compete and never give in and uh, wasn't going to give you a pitch to hit, and I probably saw him too much of that and was over-aggressive and, and trying to take too much advantage. And, then, of course, I feel like Jake Peavy, um, I got to face him in the prime of his career when he was the Cy Young, uh, you know, Jake Peavy there in San Diego and, and doing the stuff he was doing and, um you know, it, it probably was a combination of being overly aggressive and a guy just having really good stuff. And, um, you know, he had he was a four-pitch guy who could execute. and um, Talk about that bulldog mentality on the mound. I mean, how many times did you see Jake Peavy up there talking himself uh, in a, you know, a great three-hit, four-hit, uh, you know, game that he was out there pitching? Can you talk about from a hitter's perspective what you just described with Jake Peavy, where he's such a competitor does mound presence make a difference when you're a batter in that batter's box and you see a pitcher that competes like Marquis and PV did, even though they may not be Hall of Famers? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the best way to put it is, um, you know, you guys, guys like, uh, you know, who are very quiet on the mound and composed, you know, like Halliday, Roy Halliday, very quiet, composed. You know, he was a bulldog. He had that look. He was very stiff for lip when he was up there. Even his mentality was, but you didn't have a lot of antics. It was just workmen's like getting the job done and doing it. And then you had guys like, you know, like the PVs, like the Marquis, like the Dempsters, you know, these guys who had a lot of stuff going up on there in the mound. Uh, I, and I don't want to say, I don't, I don't think antics is the right word, but I think it was just their, uh, you know, their persona, their, their uh, gamesmanship that they were playing up there. And, you know, you had the Jake Peavins and Marquis yelling at themselves when they didn't throw, a, you know, a well-executed pitch. They might have had a guy in a good 2-2 count, and they threw a good slider, but it wasn't the right slider in the right location. And it was maybe a ball three um, when it could have been a strikeout pitch if it was better executed. You find them, you know, circling the mound, yelling at themselves, and you can figure out, are they yelling at me? Are they yelling at the umpire? Who are they yelling at if they're, and you realize they're just yelling at themselves for not executing the pitch uh, the way they wanted to. So, um, you know, very similar pitchers. I know Roy Holiday's a, uh, a Hall of Fame guy, but, um, you know, very similar stuff and, you know, how they competed and how they had that look up on their mound and, uh, you know, guys who just never wanted to get beaten, never wanted to give in. Hey, Dre, you triggered something in my mind that re that reminds me that A.J. Ellis was on the podcast last week and he told the story of how you own his house in Milwaukee or you believe you own his house in Milwaukee. Do you remember how that all transpired? Because he told us the story. I could remind you. Yeah, and it's not a belief. It, 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 uh, it's an IOU um, <laughs> that, that – I, I, well, it's probably an IOU I wrote 
he wrote to me, but I own, but uh, yeah, we're still working out the, I guess the particulars on that deal, but yeah, it was a uh, during the game. I, I can't remember who it was. A We were on offense. Me and him were sitting next to each other. Um, and I, it, I can't remember what hitter it was up for us, but I believe he was scuffling a little bit and the game was, I don't know the exact scenario, but um, the guy had been a notorious first pitch swing guy and uh, pitcher up on the mound, throwing pumping strikes. And I look over at him and I go, Hey, I bet you right here. He takes a pitch. He goes, no way. hundred percent chance. He's swinging no matter what. And I go, no, I said, I guarantee you he's taken. I had a little inside information on it that he was <laughs> going to be taken because he kind of got uh, the hitter kind of got told, go up there and take a pitch no matter what. So I had a little bit of insider information because I think some, uh, I think one of the other players on the bench were like, stop swinging so much, you know, just go up there, see some pitches and do it. So, uh, you know, I told AJ that um, he said, no way. I, and he was so confident he was going to swing. He bet his house and he goes, you can have my house in Franklin, uh, Wisconsin deal. Sure enough. First pitch comes, doesn't swing bad. At shoulder. He looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, how did you know? I was like, cause I knew. I knew he wasn't going to swing, so, <laughs> so that's kind of how the story was, and uh, ended up uh, still to this day having a nice property in Franklin, uh, Wisconsin. Still hasn't been visited yet, um, but you know I, I have a house there, and um, <laughs> letting the guy uh, AJ Ellis and his family live there in the meantime until I feel like uh, it's time for me and the family maybe move up there. Oh, that's great. That's great. I feel like he's nervous that you're just going to show up one day and hand him the pink slip to get out. Yeah, you know, it's uh, diversified, diversified. So I knew it was a great chance to own a, own a property in Franklin, Wisconsin, and it was a, it was a sucker's bet. He took it and um, unfortunately bet the farm, I guess you could say, and he lost. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, another great week with you, Dre, and it was so great to see you at Dodger Stadium. Even though we talk all the time, and we text all the time, and we do the podcast every week. I haven't seen you in two years, so it was great to see you out there. Yeah, really great. Really great to see you also. And like I said, I think uh, that's something we're going to have to do again in the future is uh, hopefully convince uh, AM570 or uh, you know Dodger uh, broadcast there to let us go out there and, and sit with the fans again. And maybe, maybe, maybe right field next time and call a few innings uh, out there and – enjoy and and revel being out there in the pavilion where uh you know for me personally i had so many games spent turning around seeing the fans in those stadium uh dreaming about hitting home runs in those pavilions and uh, getting a chance and now sitting them as a fan and and experience was a a great full circle moment for me yeah it sure was and it was great to see the fans celebrate you rightfully so you played your entire major league career in that dodger uniform we'll talk to you next week dre All right, thanks a lot, and uh, let's get these Dodgers back on a roll, like it seems. Always great to catch up with Andre Ethier. I actually take it back. I have seen Ethier more recently than two years ago. I forgot that he did show up in Texas for a couple of games of the World Series, and, you know, he's a big golfer now. And he found a driving range right near the ballpark. So he went to go hit some golf balls on a Sunday morning before the game. So I have seen him, but uh, not nearly as much as I would like. So 
Great to see Andre Ethier in that first game against the Cubs. And like I said, I feel like anybody that was in that left field pavilion could care less that the Dodgers were being no hit by the Cubs that night. All right. Before we say goodbye for this week, want to give you the stat of the week. Compliments of our producer engineer, Dwayne McDonald. In game one of the brief two-game series against the Giants, Mookie Betts and Max Muncie hit back-to-back home runs to begin the game. It was only the sixth time in franchise history that happened, and it was the first time since July 3rd of 2018. Jock Peterson and Max Muncy went back-to-back off Ivan Nova of the Pittsburgh Pirates to begin that game. So that's your stat of the week. Hope you enjoyed episode 14 of the Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona. Have a great day. See ya. We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings podcast. Extra Dodger content. For Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM570LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.